I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. Uh, if you haven't noticed, I've been a little busy lately. Last week, I had to take a week off from the podcast. Um, I finished a couple records and got those into mastering. And I also have a third that I'm currently working on. With uh, I'm trying to get this stuff out by summer, so bear with me here. And in the meantime, I also recorded uh, my first DJ Mix podcast in over a year. That should be out soon. Um, so yeah, I had shit on my plate. I gotta get it handled, you know? Anyway, this week's guests are Tim Xavier and John Osborne. Tim, I've known him for about 15 years since he was in Chicago, and I was down in Wisconsin and Minneapolis. Uh, if you're a techno head, you've most likely heard something from his huge discography at some point. Uh, he's got countless records out on many labels. Uh, and if, if you haven't heard any of his records that he made and you've bought a techno record in the last five years, there's probably a 100% chance you've heard something that he mastered at Man-Made Mastering in Berlin. That's what he's up to mostly these days, taking care of other people and making sure you get some of the finest cuts out there. So if you're looking for mastering, check it out. Uh, little trivia fact. I was kind of pushed out on my ass by a really terrible landlord when I first moved to Berlin. And uh, Tim just happened to need a roommate basically that day. So I moved in temporarily and it turned into a couple year stint. Uh, we had some good times and I moved out mm, about a year and a half, two years ago. But obviously we're still friends and he came over for the show. My other guest is John Osborne. He is the owner of Tans Tafel Records, which if you're not aware of it, we'll get into on this podcast. Uh, he's got a wealth of musical knowledge, and he's a super cool dude. Um, I haven't really known him that long, but we seem to get along quite well, so I was really happy to have him on the show. His name might be a little less obvious, but it holds a high level of credibility in some circles across various genres, uh, especially house and techno. Uh, he was involved in the infamous substance parties at Berghain and Panorama over the years with uh, Scuba and those guys. I don't know the extent of how much his involvement was because I haven't bothered to do any fact-checking, but I know at the minimum he was a resident, and he continues to play Panorama Bar semi-regularly to this day. Um, lastly, he's still playing out at clubs across Europe and Asia and trying to get his feet wet into production, which we'll go into more along with his label. So, uh, yeah, I hope you dig it. This one got to be pretty long, I think almost two and a half hours. And uh, I've, I've chopped out a little bit of it, but for the most part, I'm just going to put this up as two parts. And if, if there's something you don't like in it, just find the fast-forward button. Skip ahead 10 minutes, see if that gets you going. All right, thanks. Well, shall we do it? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right, I'm sitting here with Tim Xavier hello. and John Osborne. Uh, just so they know the voices, Tim, say hello. Hey, what's up? How are and you? And John. All right, I'm here. All right. Um, so we're sitting here today. I'll, I'll give you a quick overview of each guy. Tim has been living here for... Eight years. Eight years now. And uh, he came over, last stop was in New York, but he's been all over the States since then and yep. got to start doing 
records out that way and is still doing them now. We're going to talk about a couple new ones on this show. And then to the right of him, we got John Osborne, who's been in Berlin for how long now? 17 years, man. 17 years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Originally from England. Originally from England, from London, yeah. I just realized you're actually the first European to be on my show, too. Wow, yeah. yeah. Well, finally. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Big just it. You know, this, is, like, <laughs> this is recorded in Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're like, are you only going to have Americans on your show? I'm like... Well, well, yeah, it's the greatest country in the world. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, but anyway, and then John has a label, Tans Tafel Records. That's right, yeah. And uh, is DJing around Berlin and Europe. And Did, did you do uh, the gigs out in Japan, or did you just go yeah, out there? To, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, possibly going back out there next month. So the past couple of years, I've been... Uh, um, um, I've had quite a few bookings out in, in, in Japan and Asia. Okay. It's uh, big in Japan. Awesome. You know, for me, Japan is one of those shrouded areas. I think like every DJ has like that place where they can see there's a lot going on or all their friends are playing and then you just never get booked there. And that's basically Japan for me. Like yeah. I've been there, but... You got to have... It's, it's weird. You got to have that like that sort of Japanese following. I, yeah. I, had it, I had it for like a nice five years. I played Womb Club once a year. Air Tokyo, uh, Warehouse 302, someplace um, near Shibuya. But, um, yeah, I haven't been back in a long time, but it's, it's you know, when I was frequenting Tokyo mm -hmm. and did a couple gigs in Osaka, Nagoya, uh, I was on a tour with uh, Ryan Elliott early on. This is, like, before mm -hmm. his Berghain days. And, yeah, I kind of, in the back of my mind, I thought, like, man, you're lucky. Like, you're lucky to be booked out here. And totally. They're just, mm. they're having it, you know. Yeah, it's a great place. It's something I've really enjoyed. Where, where, John, where have you played? Like, what, what have you frequented in uh, Japan? I've played, I've played Womb. Um, I've played Air Club. I've played Domune. I've played this one club that unfortunately closed called Louvre. Um, I don't know if that's the name taken from the gallery. The Louvre. the Louvre. Yeah, I have no idea. But the Louvre. Um, it, had a, it had an insane sound system, a cool bunch of people. But... Um, yeah, it just uh, didn't didn't do so well. So it closed down. That was actually the first club I played there. Nice. Um, so it's like, and then and then of course uh, the the Labyrinth Festival. <coughs> oh yeah, um, that's that's. I want to hear about that a little bit later too. I mean, yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. The the last time that I was actually, well booked tentatively booked to go to Japan was actually when the big uh, earthquake happened. What was it? Almost five years ago oh, now. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah and it's funny ago. because this this booking was uh, was about to happen, and um, I was going to bring my ex girlfriend along to Japan, who at the time just couldn't really handle being on planes. Mm. She can fly everywhere now, but yeah. at the time she couldn't do it, and she's like, "I don't think I can sit twelve hours in a plane to Tokyo." I'm like, "It's a trip to Tokyo. Come on, let's do this." Yeah, and right. she's like, "Well, the other thing is, is they have earthquakes." And I'm like, "Shut up! There's not going to be an earthquake. You'll be fine on the plane." Blah blah blah. So then the gig falls through, and that's a whole other story. But uh, sure enough, there was an earthquake. There's an earthquake <laughs> while we would have been, been there. there. So I call did, her. Did she do like I told you so kind of thing? Or <laughs> no, she. Well, first of all, she forgot that. Um, we were going to be there at that time, and she's just like, "Oh my god!" And she it was kind of I told you so, but she it was more like I knew it, I knew it. you know. <laughs> so, but I just think like because that was a Tuesday, and we would have been there for a week, so she would have just been shitting bricks for like a week, and it would have been really hard to, you know, when that stuff's going on, you can't 
really reason with even the most reasonable people when <laughs> things are out of your control. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, when reason's gone anyway. <laughs> Definitely. I am... Um, uh, when I, I Tony Rohr and I did a couple dates in uh, in Japan in, in Tokyo together, and on on our days off, like first of all, the the hospitality is incredible. But on our days off, we would totally fuck off in the city and go to like the Sega arcade, mm-hmm. and like there's all these like crazy arcades where you can just like com- get completely lost. They even have like digital horse racing, like where you can bet. On digital horses, <laughs> which is so bizarre. It's like so you did it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, hmm. Got three thousand yen on you know sticky pot sticker whatever, and then like I don't know whatever. It's such a bizarre place, but I love it. Yeah, it's interesting you say that Japan is your kind of like you know dark side of the earth booking wise because um, you know my, the, I, I have a dark side of the earth that I booking wise. And bizarrely, it's my home country. That's how huh. it goes, though. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, rarely in the never, States, too. I, I think I've been booked... Well, no, I have, I've played twice in England. I've been booked once, but that wasn't an official club. It was some guys doing some, some illegal underground party, <laughs> putting it together. So it's, and then the other one was a party that I put together with my label partner in Bristol. So I've played in the, you know, the past seven years or ten years or whatever, twice I've played in England. Yeah, and, I, and I've been flown around the whole like, world to play like, my gigs, sound. The gigs you cultivated. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just really bizarre. It's really bizarre, and you know, especially being a UK guy that's uh, occasionally accredited with having a slight UK sound. Yeah, but you know, actually, I kind of like I feel more German than. <laughs> But well, I mean, maybe it's because you've been for, what, 17 years what, now? 17 or? years. I yeah. think that plays a big role in it. Like, I mean, even myself, I'm kind of confused when a promoter like, gets in contact with me. like, what should I write behind your name, Germany or UK? And I generally don't know what to answer myself on that one because, obviously, yeah, I'm English. Um, no. But 17 years is a long time, and so pretty much all of my formative tastes and everything have come together through... Through living you're, in, you're represent- by this point you're representing Germany. Yeah, like yeah, on. yeah. Berlin, I'd prefer to say than Germany. Right. I mean, I get, Ber- yeah. Berlin's an island in Germany. I don't think I would live anywhere else in Germany. New York, mm-hmm. Germany. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like where'd you grow up, you know, or like you're, you're, I feel like your teenage years and your early adult years are. That's not like if you were born in Japan. Who gives a shit if you're yeah. four years old? You know. But um, oh yeah, speaking of Japan, I was just sitting here thinking while we were talking about black holes and stuff. Tim's dog Sigmund is uh-huh. sitting sitting on John's lap. Celebrity techno dog. Yeah, Oof. and uh, so, so I was on the plane last time. I was on the plane to Japan from Minneapolis. Uh, this is back when all the international planes still shared the one big movie screen. I mean, I'm I'm guessing some right. of the dodgy airlines still have that, but this was Delta at the yeah, time. Yeah, it's called Iberia. Yeah, so. We're all. <laughs> I like that. It makes you feel like you're at the movie cinema. It's you know? communal. Yeah, yeah. Every, everybody's watching the three movies. Yeah. Almost like, uh, did they have drive-ins over in the UK? Oh, but they're the yeah. worst movies. It's like no, one Disney movie, a Sandra Bullock fucking rom-com. No, you know? dr- drive-ins are something that we always dreamed of. You know, it's like you know, it's, mm. I was born in 1975, so like I'm an 80s kid, and America okay. was the Holy Grail, and so a drive-in totally. was like something like, oh wow, it's a cool experience. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but. Um, you know, so they show the two or three movies, and one of them was Marley and Me, and uh, Marley—it's this Owen Wilson movie about him and his dog. And oh, right, right, right. I mean, 
it's it's not. I mean, it's kind of like uh, the Titanic. Everybody knows the ship goes down at the end. Like so, the dog dies at the end because it's about the span of the dog's <laughs> life. And you know, it's like heart. It's a really sad movie, and then like the kind of intercontinental jet lag things already kicking in. So you're all emotional. I'm sitting there. I'm like. Oh fuck, man! The you whole know, like, plane I'm not starts gonna, crying. I'm not gonna cry, not but gonna yeah, cry. I, I start. I'm just like shit. I'm, I'm gonna cry, and then I, I, I'm starting to tear, and then I get up and I look around. The whole entire the plane, plane is just tearing crying. Up. crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's awesome. But that's why that's what my movie theaters are good because like, uh, there's that communal feeling. Everyone's involved. Yeah, I mean the, the Japanese flight. Like, I, there's a couple I've been on where like the turbulence is insane, and all the like Anglo. European, American, whatever uh, travelers are like freaking out and holding their chairs, and the Japanese are just like cool as Hindu cow, man. Totally, and you're just like flopping around and just like whatever. <clears throat> and <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, is I don't, maybe it could be completely incorrect, but I guess if you like, if, especially if you're coming around from the Tokyo area where you can experience small tremors and stuff like that, a little bit of turbulence. Probably isn't that big of a deal. You have a point, man, for sure. But maybe that's just a coincidence. Who knows? I think that's some part of it. I think it's also just generally the um, the the Asian culture and their attitude and philosophy towards life. They're just a little bit more chilled out, a little bit more kind of like in a spiritual sense. But they're also like more in touch with machines and technology. So it's kind of like yeah, they're they're kind of they have a slightly more sort of stoic approach to life as well. It's like I'm not in control of this anyway. So right. Yeah, I mean, whereas, whereas we, us Westerners are trying to be in control of everything all the time, and if we feel threatened, then we panic. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, I've been trying to ask if you question, uh, ask people for questions before the show lately. Oh, really? Did you get any in? Uh, some, some are just terrible, and some are good. Um, <laughs> and I made, I made the mistake of. Uh, well, it wasn't a mistake, but I, w- I wanted people to be able to write in anonymously because sometimes they're, they don't want to say it over Facebook or Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I said, go ahead and do it on on the webpage and just fill out some fake stuff. Uh, so apparently, <laughs> my my inbox was just flooded with a bunch of bullshit, and I got a que- I got a bunch of questions from the Mangina family, the all Mangina. three brothers. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There was like pr- Professor Dick Mangina, pr- uh, Sergeant Cletus Mangina. I don't know, but anyway, uh, this question's got to be gold. <laughs> Cletus Mangina. I don't. You know, I wrote all the questions down. And I didn't. I didn't put the names. But anyway, hello to the Mangina family. Yeah, big up Mangina family. <laughs> um, pretty boring one, but uh, do you like books? And if so, like which kind do you read? Science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Are you into hard sci-fi? Or just I'm into like, hardcore sci-fi, yeah. It's got to be Seriously, hard though? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the, the label's named after a, 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 a sci-fi writer, Robert Heinlein, um, from his book, Stranger in a Strange Land. Okay. That's where the name Tan comes from. Oh, so. cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, most people don't. Okay, yeah, because you were saying earlier, like, there's a meaning to this name, and I said, save it. I thought That's it was right. just uh, <laughs> no, a No, no, it's, it's an acronym. Okay. It's a... Uh, Tanstaffel, it's there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Okay. Wow. And it was, it was in the book, uh, it was just 1968 the book was written, um, Stranger in a Strange Land, and the phrase was then used, the, boy, the book was so popular, and then the phrase was actually then used so often in language afterwards 
that it then got put into the, the dictionary. So it's an, wow. it, st- it still lays there to this very day. It's in the dictionary. And um, I, when we was thinking of the names for the label, it was with my partner Julian in Bristol, DJ October. And yeah. he, he came up with, he was like, what do you think about Tanztafel as a name? And I, I, of course, didn't know the abbreviation for it or mm-hmm. the background at all. But I know that Julian's half Dutch, and obviously I speak German. And so when he suggested this name to me, it sounded to me like a weird cross between German and Dutch, totally. which would be translated as dancing table yeah, or yeah, dance yeah. table. Because yeah, like, yeah. tough Table like, dance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I like that. You know, yeah, yeah. Everyone likes <laughs> yeah, table dance. dance table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got a cool, like, dualistic meaning. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not just like a one-sided... <laughs> exactly. And, the, and But then the fact that it actually is a, a you know an English language abbreviation that sounds like a cross between Dutch and German and with my... my partner being half dutch his mother's mother's from holland um that made perfect sense and they, and also it had the tie-in for the fact that we're both hardcore science fiction fans um or both both singularitarians so it's basically perfect yeah that was it it was like okay done don't need to discuss that any further which is actually a really good thing you know you know because like a name for a label or something that can drag on for a long time yeah it uh, really can drag on for a long time that can that can hold you back from releasing shit <laughs> yeah i mean i I have the idea for a new label and a new name already. It kind of came naturally, and I'm going with it. But the first label I ever did was with Ian Lehman. We called it Abiotic, and that's as yeah. far we got to like the second page of the dictionary. And we're like, and we're like, that's cool enough. That's it. That's it. And uh, it's funny because I just watched the Supermensch documentary, and they did the same thing, but uh, with Alive Entertainment. Which I don't know if you guys have seen that movie or not. It's a great documentary. What's it called? Uh, Super Mensch. Super Mensch. Super Mensch. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that um, Basically, it's a story of uh, Shep. I'm not trying to... I'm thinking of the dude from fucking Obey. Not Shepard Farley. Shep Farley, I think, is his name. Yeah. And basically, he was the manager of, uh, like, Alice Cooper and, like, Pink Floyd and Janis Joplin and all these people. Oh, yeah. And, it, like, he basically... He was super smart, but he stumbled onto each new success kind of like with dumb luck. And it's a ni- not even 90 minutes, but this documentary is just him. Like, he invented the celebrity chef simply because right. he liked cooking. And, like, just crazy story after crazy story. And he's, like, even the stars and the celebrities in the movies, like Michael Douglas and stuff, they're like, there's nobody in Hollywood that had more, like, high-class celebrities from all walks of life in their house at their party that once than him. Because he was just kind of that guy, and uh, it's funny because he's like he's a really sweet guy, and he takes care of a family that's not even necessarily his. And um, by the way, that's a vape pen. That's not. <laughs> it's not a bone. It's not a crack pipe. I'm no. not. I'm not. You know, freebasing speed uh, right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, all he really wanted in life was a good family and have a baby. But the problem is, is he really likes his girls, so he just kept getting. In trouble, getting a little honey on his stinger, and now, now he's still still single. About you know, sixty some years later. So, oh lord. Anyway, people, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Um, so to answer that question, yes, I read books. Yeah, science fiction. Yes, I do too, but not right now. I've been pretty pretty lazy. Do you not read when you're traveling. Well, I start off on. That's the thing. I need long flights. Like I haven't yeah. been traveling very often, so. 
uh, the U-Bahn and S-Bahn rides don't do any justice for books. Totally. It's usually like a magazine or the back of a shampoo bottle, according mm. to John. I used to read more when I was a vinyl DJ, when I was playing vinyl. What, that, what does that have to do? It has a load to do it, because now I'm using record box. That means I can open up my laptop and I can start sorting my set out for the gig that is... Oh, right, 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 right. You know, and I can get deep into it, and then I start sorting out other sets and just playing around with it. And, you know, it's, uh, record box is an incredible tool. It means that your, your, uh, your flight time is no longer sort of dead time, mm-hmm. as it were. You can actually get, be productive in some way. I, I'm not the person that could produce on a plane uh, anyway. I wish I mean, record box and tractor would like, have a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Another. This is basically a really easy to answer question. Somebody asked, like, do producers make enough cash to self-sustain, or have, or do they have to have a day job? Uh, I mean, the reality <clears throat> is not necessarily producers, but DJs. More importantly, yeah. I mean, it's all walks of life. Some people make an ass load of money and some need to supplement some don't make any so well i, I mean, think well we're working in the most in the most one of the most capitalistic industries out there yeah. and uh i can only speak from my point of view is is that you know i've got i've got a wife and two children so that means i've got to take on a day job as well just yeah. to just to have that security because you know you just there can be times when nothing's coming in and you're just like what the fuck what's going on here um, so I need that security. If I didn't, if I didn't have two children and a wife and was living on my own, I probably wouldn't need the day job. I'd be, I'd be okay. But yeah. then I'd be sad and lonely. Got to provide. Got to provide. Yeah. Hey Tim, can you bring that wine bottle over here too? Yes, sir. Did you open a beer for me? Uh, not yet, sweetheart. I'm coming. But um, yeah. I mean, so you can kind of go all over the place with it. It's just a matter of, uh, I don't know. Some of it's a little bit of luck, and some of it's. You know, working really hard. And that's the other part. Just because you get to DJ doesn't mean that it's not necessarily a... Doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a job. These days, I think, if you want to be... It's it's not even just with uh, musicians. It can be... Uh, anytime you're a small business owner, you're now the web designer, you're the PR guy. Absolutely. You have to wear all these hats. Yeah, you have to calculate all of the other the other stuff that you're doing into it. Actually, DJing is fun, and you probably do that for free. Totally. It's everything else that you're having to do to get to that position to play those records. Well, let's face the it. the hard like, work. Like, producing, producing vinyl records, uh, slotting and, uh, you know, setting up... Release dates for your digital releases versus your vinyl sales, etc. etc. It's not about moving units. No, it's about. I mean, I, it's, it's financial suicide as well. Totally. I mean, at this point now, with uh, my face-to-face imprint, I'm, I'm basically. I just want to give the music away. Yeah, uh, you, you know, want people. Well, you want people to hear it, which is, the, 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 which is what your it, inspiration for doing this stuff in the first place is anyway. And have it, yeah. you know, be exploited by all the different platforms and aggregators that can uh, distribute it. But I'm, I'm an example of someone who moved to Berlin eight years ago, gigged my ass off for like four or five years, and then uh, you know, had to get serious about the mastering studio and like switch my focus. And so even though I'm still producing, I'm, you know, I'm, um, I'm trying to live this like dualistic career lifestyle choice, which is to keep the studio running, keep the clients happy, work with my partner, and run the label, and do PR, and promo. Yeah, and you're wearing many hats, aren't you? I've <laughs> having, having, having a mastering studio is, uh, 
Yeah, an extra, an extra, an extra hat. <laughs> I, you know, I enjoy it though. It's good. You know, and it's it's you know, it, it, as cheesy as it sounds, like we bring a lot of joy to our clients. Fuck and, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice way to like really be be a part of the community that is, you know, techno and electronic music. What's uh? Let's talk about it for a minute. So, right. I know you have a partner, uh, Mike Grinzer. Grinza. Yep. And you two are the only engineers, basically, at the at the studio right now, right? Yeah. So, okay. um, I, I I did my apprenticeship in Brooklyn. Uh, under Jack Biswell at Chopstick Dubplate circa 2004-2005. Eventually bought the machine, changed the name of the company, moved to Berlin. Um, My whole thing when I moved to Berlin is I wanted to use the cutting studio as a a catalyst to create supplemental income to just Mm -hmm. survive so I could focus more time on production and connect with my new friends Mm -hmm. at the time who would be German, English, so on and so forth. Um, I remember like making it a point to go to Christoph at DNM, Dubplates and Mastering here in Berlin, and basically was like, I mean, he's he he gets it. He's one of those guys who gets it. He knows more about American politics than I do, and he's German. Yeah. Wow. And you know, Christoph is he's he's equal. He he just has it all, man. He's a really great guy. He's almost like like. Uh, the godfather in a way uh i really kind of view him that way but you know i I met with him and i basically said like look dude you know i'm gonna move my record lathe here i'm not trying to sell drugs on your corner yeah and murder yeah what's the climate here for that kind of thing well you know like in new york it was super competitive because like all the engineers in new york that you have brooklyn and then you have manhattan which was the divide and all the super hot, fancy pants like studios in Manhattan with cutting studios were also mastering like Alicia Keys and like these huge like other labels. So they they have this kind of clout. But in my opinion, someone who's been into electronic music since you know 1991, uh, after the industrial new wave kind of stint I had, um, I realized that like these guys in Manhattan don't really get. Even the dude who cut all the strictly rhythm stuff, those cuts aren't that good. No, I mean they're, <laughs> they're not for that, that good. Let's face it. No, they don't. <laughs> There's no bass. Uh, <laughs> I mean all the like Chicago s- records, all the Detroit sibilant records. Sibilant highs. Yeah, I mean, there's, it goes back to the old thing where like you're in a record store and we're flipping through tunes, right, John? Yeah. And that one cat goes, "Yeah, yeah, this one's good, but it's a low pressing," which is kind of a, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, like low, pre- like discussion. like somehow, we you know, the shit. grooves just aren't like deep, so therefore the sound is not good or whatever. And really, there's no such thing as a low pressing. It's all about who cut that initial plate. So, make a long story longer. Moved to Berlin and uh, started working and. Mike Grinzer came highly recommended, firstly from Butane. Where was and, he working before? Uh, he well, Grinzer was Dakar and Grinzer, yeah. and he did an electro. Synth- I remember them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the stuff. Yeah, on yeah. Disco B. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, some kind of the early two thousands. Yeah. And so, I mean, the, the dude was on TV playing synthesizers with Christian doing vocals. They have music videos with like hooks. Um, Crazy. And then, you know, the thing about Mike, the beautiful thing about Mike is that he's so mechanically inclined. He really gets the mechanics because he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's produced records. He's been a vinyl DJ. But this guy has incredible taste in underground, like, house and techno. Incredible taste. Like, um, he's really turned me on to, like, great music. But when I met him, 
um, we just immediately fell into a groove. And quite honestly, like after a couple months, we just slowly moved into a situation where we became partners. Awesome. Um, and Man Made is, is, you know, it's rolling. Man Made so, Studio is rolling. What year, what year was that when you put it together? Uh, 2012, on the cusp. I was just trying to, I'm just trying to put it into the time because I remember when I met you for the first time. That was when uh, the RA done that. They opened up their office in Gibstraw. That's in right. Utah. I don't remember that night, man. No, no, you don't <laughs> I'm so remember sorry. that. I was so drunk. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so like, it was a really special evening to me, and I really remember it well. And I re- 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 we, we, we gabbed a bit. <laughs> and I, yeah, we gabbed a bit, and I, I repeated this to Tim, and he's like, no, I don't remember that. But there was a lot of crushed my soul. That's how it goes. <laughs> you, know that, you know that moment when you're like, I know this guy, and you're like, hey. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every weekend. Everyone. Or there's people that come up to you and like, yeah, but I met you in insert name of club, and it's like, dude, come on, like, yeah. Apparently, I was an asshole when I met Seth Troxler back in like 2000. Whatever. You were? Yeah, like I, I was playing. I was living in Chicago, and Seth was like dread. I remember him with the dread. Yeah, and he was cool, but I was like playing this this the works party, and I remember uh, like. Fast forward 2007, Berlin, we all moved here around the same time, and like we're at an after party, and Gavin with Seth, and Seth's like, yo, dude, I don't know if you remember, Tim, but like you were, I met you at the works in Detroit, and you were such an asshole to me. <laughs> I can say this like as a recording, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I was like, dude, but look at you now. Like, how many, how many parties do you play now? Yeah. And, like, a million people are coming up to you. And you're just like, I just want to get to the car yeah. and to the hotel and chill, you know? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I totally get it. It's like, I, it wasn't about you in particular. No. It's just that your brain can only take so much Well, I have, I have this big problem. With like, after I play a long set, especially if it's, like, for example, a four-hour panorama bar set. Yeah. Um, I need basically half an hour after that set to decompress hide and decompress, and it's, and it's well, one of the complaints that I do have of like, Panorama Bar. Now, you know, I'm not into backstage areas and VIP areas, and I get it; we don't want that. But as an artist, I need that half hour space just to like decompress afterwards. And because I, I, people are talking to me, and I can't understand them. You know, it's like a foreign well, that's language. They've been there for two days, but. <laughs> 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 Past yeah. the saturation point. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's because like you know you've been you've been concentrating on a four four beat for four hours solid and nothing else, and then suddenly you're supposed to give a, a creative and an intelligent and articulate conversation yeah. immediately or sign someone without hearing their music. Yeah, ex- exa- exactly. Yeah, one of those multitude of things, and and so I of- often people think that you know it's like oh he's John's a bit of, bit of moody ass on it's like no I just I, I literally can't talk the words aren't there I'm kind of dead. And I, if I don't get that decompression zone of, I just have to go. It's like, I need to get out of here. I've got to go. I can't deal with it. So, you know, and I totally understand that. And so sometimes I can get, I can see it, how some certain people get labeled this. Oh, you're a complete, that DJ, this so-and-so, he's an arsehole. And it's like, no, you know, just don't be so, don't so, judge. Don't so be so quick to judge. Bergheim should have like a foot massage station. I wouldn't complain. Ice cream. <laughs> well, most people don't well, know there's an ice cream, cream parlor in that old Bergheim. It hits uh, the spot, too. I just, I just wouldn't mind. Just, just any kind of room where there isn't any sound or people for 30 yeah. minutes. Gotcha. That's all I need. And a chair. Just to sit down. Just to, just to like, okay, collect my thoughts and go and especially if it's a gig that you know you've played two parties the night before and then and then you're landing in in panorama bar and you've got to dig deep you know and you do you the adrenaline kicks in everything but you know what it's like the minute your concentration stops system shut down that's it i wish (laughs) maybe maybe just you know for me like when i when i play and then i go back to the hotel but it it takes me about a half hour to an hour to like really just 
chill out, you know, wind down from all the intensity of what was going on that night. And um, unless, like, I'm hammered, then I can fall asleep immediately. Yeah. But otherwise, um, I need to, I don't know, call home, check the email, put on something stupid to watch, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I could just immediately after the gig just, <clears throat> I'm flat out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Done. So. I remember the first time I saw you play, actually. I think he was doing a closing at Bergheim. Yeah. And this was, must be a couple of years ago. No, and, yeah. and I, I didn't. I hadn't even heard any of your music before. I heard anything of you as a DJ, and and heard you play, and it was it was a great set. But oh, I could see, you. I could. There was like, I was there till the end, and I could. And the one of the reasons that I admired it so much was the last couple. He's of almost hours. like a different person when he DJs. Yeah, totally. Like he kills it. <laughs> totally, totally. And it was the last two hours were really magical, and what what made it even special for me was because the I, first eight hours were shit. shit. <laughs> oh, terrible. Yeah, I mean they just skipped. Now that we're all sucking <laughs> each other's dicks. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, because it was at that point where I could see that you were physically done. You know, you were, oh, you yeah. were done. Like I could see, I could see that your arm weighed a ton to get up to that jog wheel to slip yeah, another and track. The hands all, yeah, yeah, just like oh, you're cramped up, and but you were still pushing on through to it and and putting down some killer tracks that made sense at that time. The rest of it, yeah, super floaty, yeah, you know, yeah, happy yeah. campy shit, <laughs> yeah. house and whatnot. So no, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Credit where credit's due. Yeah, yeah. that'll be fifty euros. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Hopefully that gets me booked. But um, yeah, and then we ran into each other a few times since then. I, I've heard I've heard your recordings online, but I haven't. Uh, I don't know if I've actually seen you in the flesh. Yeah, in the flesh. John's like. Uh, can I describe you? you certainly, please. John is like a. He's like a. Uh, now it sounds kind of weird. John is like a man DJ, like like he just no hesitation in the hands, like really works like specific tunes, uh, a selector, but equal parts like technical. Mm-hmm. Am I on the right page? I'd say you're pretty. Like hit, when yeah. when when yeah. John and I played together, I was like, this is the kind of guy I would love to be on a lineup with, not because of his clout or whatever fancy pants like you know notoriety you have but like i was like this is going to be dope and we remember we played together at prince charles of all places. that's right yeah yeah it was, uh, yeah um, I but i think you honed the skill of being able to do what we used to call all around the world yeah <laughs> you know it's like he can rock tracks and bring up the intensity and then bring it down into something sexy it's not like john isn't the dj who can only do one trick and i think now in 2016 it's not that it's frowned upon but it's just not yeah it's the it, diversity thing you mean yeah, yeah it's the, not the, like no, yeah, it's totally. not revered as is something special it's more like oh well we book this guy because he has this sound yeah, yeah. yeah. you know and he does this one fucking trick and therefore he will fill club whereas you have that je ne sais quoi like all around like you can do an eight hour set yeah, When things are right, yeah, absolutely. Are you turning pink? Uh, no. Slightly, yeah. <laughs> no. no, but I mean, that's... and But I think, in like you said earlier, credit comes where it's due, and that's why you are playing the spots that you are playing at and on the lineups that you're on. And, you know, that's it's a thing that I kind of uh, go into, like, on Facebook or Twitter sometimes, or even on the show we talk about. Like, there's the guys who play whatever comes in on the promos and they do their thing and it they do a damn good job at it but yeah, they're yeah. still like at the same parties like you could be on that lineup or not necessarily you but let's say like a selector dj or the guy that's always digging who's playing later on at the end of the night all the guys that 
are making 20 grand a night or whatever doing promos they're like sitting there watching the guy at the end of the night that's doing all the deep digging and they're just like you can tell they're just kind of like jaw dropping like all right like yeah, this is yeah, this is yeah. what it really is about you know what i mean yeah, exactly. like they're paying attention and they're just like you know, everybody like chin stroking or, or something. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's why I always say I think at the end of the day, if the only way to to win out is really to keep digging. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that's that's it's why I, you know I'm a DJ first and foremost, and mm-hmm. you know, coming from the '90s as well, it's it was a time where you had to make a choice. If you you know, I fell in love with dance music, and I knew I wanted to get involved in it in a creative way, one way or the other. And, and in the 90s you had to make that choice it was like am I going to be a DJ or am I going to be a producer Cause, yeah. and my financial it was literally a financial thing it was like okay two, two, two turntables and a mixer I can afford but the sampler the monitors the mixing desk the, the MIDI keyboard the, the Atari ST and the software and all the rest of it that's out of my price range budget so <laughs> I'm going down the DJ road and, and, and I've been digging ever since then and uh, and also being in the nineties, where I never really understood genres. Genres kind of make me nervous, if that makes any sense. Uh, well, I mean, I understand, but I agree. It's nice to blend it together. And <laughs> yeah, well, just like, I, I don't. But, but the worst question is, is like, what do you play? Yeah, and I, I just I just pull blanks on that. You know, so I, I play what I like, and Dude. I play it in a coherent way that makes sense. End of. And the most important thing for me that makes a DJ is someone that DJs with intent. Yeah. You know, you can feel the person DJing. You know, yeah. I can't stand that. The, that like, kind I'll of try di- this tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of DJ set where it's just kind of like you know, it's they're good tracks. It's well mixed, but it's too perfect. It's too and you yeah, can't. Yeah. You, it's too controlled or too narrow. Yeah, it's just controlled. It's really mm-hmm. safe and controlled, and that you can't hear the intent. Yeah. You know, you can't hear the person battling with the mix, purposely keeping it in for that long. It's slightly swaying out of time. You're bringing it back in, and then you're and then you're making it into something amazingly magical. There's that intent, that purpose. Yeah. It's, it's like, like I'm here, I'm DJing, and I want you to know that I'm DJing. I remember that's that's the difference. That's oh man, it was totally. like uh, I don't want to get behind the decks and, th- and nobody to realise that I'm actually playing. You know, it's like I want people to know that there is a performance because it is a fucking performance. It's sure. not, you know, definitely, and to make sure it's a genuine, pumped up thing. I was a teenager. Uh, one of our hometown heroes, his name was Abiel. And Abiel was, uh, I mean, we were all vinyl DJs back then, but Abiel would go to, um, like, these, uh, like, not, this is before Qbert and the Scratch Pickles and all that, but, like, yeah. he would go to those shows, and um, we would, like, hang out and have a beer or whatever, and Abiel would always say, dude, you better pray that those hip-hop turntables guys never get their hands on techno. <laughs> like, like, yeah. You pray they never... And I... It will wipe your ass. <laughs> but a true confession, you know, I was living... So I, I, I worked at a record store in Houston, Texas called Chemistry in uh, like 1998, 99. And um, I had the opportunity to move to Chicago. Yeah. And... Um, a uh, mentor and a friend of mine named Charles Little, who was a promoter in Chicago at the time, used to do brilliant things like book uh, Paul Van Dyck in an arena, make money hand over fist, and then turn around and book Richie and Sven in you know 500 capacity Red No. 5 and pay them their full fee. Mm-hmm. Um, a brilliant promoter and also one that like really understood the music. And um, Oh, shit, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah, he booked me at um, – uh, it was called Karma – Mm-hmm. Uh, this club Karma. It was before I moved to Chicago. And true confession, I programmed the entire set. I mean, yeah, I was coming from Houston, Texas, young rave DJ, 
But maybe the set was contrived and programmed. Yeah. But the delivery was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were back in the booth spanking my ass yeah. as I was DJing. Just, you like that? Oh, you? yeah. <laughs> you like I love. He's like, dude, and that's why I moved to Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, also well, that's like at a that tradition, time, getting spanked, like when you're beating it, you know, you're getting spanked. Oh, you Americans! Uh, <laughs> I was like Dave Clark, like a le- pseudo, like Electro Records, and oh, like going, going, like playing around the world. I think. Yeah. That was revered as something like special then. Well, well also, also, I think that the, uh, the dance music to me, the most important thing to it is it's it's about tension. It's about creating tension and breaking yeah. tension. Yeah. And you can't create and break tension if you're just playing one sound, one one genre all of the time. Yeah, you've got right. to be able to bring some drama into it that that builds that tension to fever pitch. And you know, you've got it's, it's a careful line to tread as well because you've got to take that tension to that point of where people are almost. Board. Well, I think the pendulum's Over, starting to swing. And, and then, boom, just like, then go off somewhere else. Break it. Build it up again. Break it. Build it up again and play. And that's, that's your journey. That's your... The Do we have any more uh, mangina questions? <laughs> <laughs> uh, one question that I got that um, I like, it's... Uh, what do you think about videos that means like boiler room, resident advisor, fact, and then the second part is, you know, is it good for... I don't know, everybody, or is it just a money-making thing? Obviously, I think it's both. You know, like, for instance, I... I think it's yeah whatever it's all positive. I mean if they're if the outlet's there we're going to ex- we're going to use it and exploit it and use it to uh show people what we got because there's so many like look we're in it, right? We're down on the field playing the game and then there's like there are so many fans we will never that are out there like who want that sort of window and looking glass into the world of uh what we're doing. For instance, Nina Kravitz, I'd never seen her DJ. Mm. And like Finally, I saw videos of her playing a concrete. That chick fucking kills it. Yeah, like she's a, she's like she kills it. Yeah, I mean, she, <laughs> and I was know. like, wow, this is great. I mean, this is the only vehicle I could actually see this through without having to actually get up and go to Bergheim is uh, you that, know that's just it. Not everybody has the opportunity to go out to a club. Maybe it's geographical. Maybe it's financial. Maybe exactly. they're a, a exactly. father or it's a job thing. Oh, it'll be like ten years from now. We'll be like playing china or something absolutely you know? i mean i think i think for, for take be. boiler room boiler room is probably the most contentious one there out of it yeah. and uh, and i personally i fi- i'm kind of find it awkward watching watching boiler room myself i yeah. have to turn it off I, or, or i'll turn the video off and listen to the music really um but i'm fully aware that the you know i'm a generation older than everyone that's in that room and i'm probably two generations older than everyone that's watching it online and as you said yourself, there's certain criteria of why they're enjoying it. They can't afford. They might be in the you know in the countryside yeah. or whatever. This is their only access to club culture, what whatever. And for them, it's great. And so I think ultimately it's a good thing because it's bringing music to people. It's making things more accessible, um, and people are understanding whether it's a distorted view of dance music that they're delivering to people. I don't know, and that's a whole another another another. T- what was the subject. boiler room with the guy with the penis nose? Ankle pants. Ankle, ankle pants. <laughs> Everybody knows ankle pants. <laughs> that was nuts. But then, 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 but then you've got the the resident advisor stuff. The I don't know what they call it. The the exclusives or whatever. Where they you know they do the the they do a twenty minute video on the scene in Mexico or South Africa or whatever. yeah. 
I don't think it's a bad thing, though. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, like, you have... You, you're just bringing people to somebody's environment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like... There's a lot of people that are never going to go to Tokyo to see the what's actually going on there, but they're curious. They got ten minutes to kill and see what's going on. So, um, and the other part of it is, is it's kind of like nobody's forcing you to watch any of these videos. No, you know what exactly. I mean. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course, some of these videos generate revenue for whoever is hosting the content, be yeah. it fact or whoever, yeah, yeah, yeah. but. You know, the world doesn't work for free. If you want to continue going to these sites, they have to pay to keep the servers going and the writers and stuff. Hell so yeah. yeah. If, if you get, like, a free performance out of it from somebody you really admire, then what's the problem? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming increasingly harder to find avenues of, of revenue yeah. in the music industry anyway. So, you know, obviously we're not making money from selling records. So Yeah, yeah I mean... Whatever works. You know, I mean, of course, there's some things about these that kind of kill the mystique or gives people the wrong impression of what a party should be, as in, like, Mm -hmm. everybody behind the DJ. But those are things that you can, like, fight over all day long, and it it just doesn't matter. It's just a matter of opinion, you know, at the end of the day, what is right. (laughs) Totally. Let's talk about chicks, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that you mention it. Now, um, funny story, though. Uh... No, I don't want to go into that one on there. <laughs> <laughs> it's too funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's not that funny, but it could also get me in trouble. So, <laughs> that's what I meant. I it's too funny. To <laughs> um, one that I was thinking of lately, and I'm just looking at all this stuff, like Richie Hotton just announced another new mixer. Uh, every month there's like, new controllers and sites like, like today I got a Beatport email that says... Now search over one million tracks by mood and set time and blah blah blah, and I'm not necessarily dogging on any of the formats or what they're trying to accomplish, but I feel like lately everybody's like in such a like it's so obviously greedy, like trying to make money any way you can, trying to convince people that they need this new uh, technology or way. Be easy on them; they've just gone bankrupt. Yeah, well, <laughs> people. <laughs> I mean, so this will be irrelevant in like six months. No, I don't know. I mean, I'm not even trying to go to go hard on these people. I just no, feel I like you sometimes, you know, if if business is good or you can like prove you're doing a good thing, you don't have to convince everybody that DJing is changing for the eighth year in a row. Or I you think know what you're I mean? onto something. The thing is, is that like, well, a the controllers and the new control surfaces and mixers that. You know, like make you toast and coffee in the morning or whatever. Like, all this stuff is never going to stop. Yeah. Like, they'll always be like creating new shit or new ways to browse music that are intuitive. You know, like we've we've noticed that you like so and so and so and so artist. Here are other things like that. Please buy them or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you're talking about uh, Beatport going bankrupt mm. um when you have a good thing you got to ride it out you know yeah, and it's I like you can't that, you can't I, I like as, to a, a point as someone who someone who has a who owns a company like there's there's a point where you know you have to oh, it sounds kind of bad like to to stop innovating but like just like perfect what you've already created 
and stop looking at the horizon to create some new better thing that's not actually better it's like yeah. it's, it creates more chaos i yeah i agree you, you, i agree you know I, mean? I, I totally agree with you but i think it's always wise to have kind of like a backup plan of like a, an, another another direction that you are pursuing while the while the while the main horse is running and winning the race that you've got another one that's in you know this, sometimes the being one trained sometimes the one that's not trying to stay competitive just is competitive <clears throat> yeah. by being what yeah. it is Dude, uh, case in point rain I mean, it's a little bit Bam. more of a hip hop company, but honestly, Rain since since I started for the almost most twenty years ago, yeah, arguably, but especially Rain, like it's always been respected whether people use Thank it or you. not. They've aside from like Bridge and Serato, they've never once been like, is to my knowledge, like we've reinvented shit once again, blah blah blah. <laughs> They're just like we have. You know, exactly. dope yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever faders, blah blah blah, and they're built like a tank. Like they just kind of, they just do their thing. You know what I mean? And they have this respect that comes with it. And I just kind of wish more companies relied on that these days. You know what I mean? The knife only gets so sharp, man. Wait, going going back to uh, so there's a good Japanese word for it. I think if I pronounced it right, I think it's sh- sh- shoshin. Shosen or Shoshen, um, like Jiro, the sushi master. Basically, okay. it's, it's the name given to a person that dedicates the, himself to one thing to master it. And, okay. Um, you know, it's like do one thing and do it fucking well and yeah. do it better than everyone else. And, and, you know, the, the, the kind of restaurants that we like, you know, you go to this restaurant, you, you, there's the menu that hasn't got any choice on it, but what they serve you is killing it yeah definitely I <laughs> and, mean, yeah, and you're gonna pay and you're gonna pay and you're gonna go there and sometimes you know no choice is good you know that's yeah. and you, you just go there it's got they've got a meat dish or a vegetarian dish and both of them are killer and that's it and that's why you go there and you prepare to pay for it i i have no problem with that i mean that's kind of the places i like to frequent anyway yeah sometimes it pisses you off because it's the same but it's always going to be good and that's how i feel about some of these companies you know other companies where it's not necessarily bad, but it's not really offering anything new. You kind of feel like they're, they're hedging, trying to resell it, hedging their bets, scatter bombing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, just crutch, yeah, yeah, there must be. I don't know. You know, they've saturated their market with the S4 controller, and then now they're like, "Oh, where are we going to make our money then? Let's make the S8 controller." And it's got loads of features on it that the kids you don't need, you don't want anymore. They're still happy working out the <laughs> you S4 know this controller because you bought your son the Surface now. Uh, no, my yeah. son. My son has um, the. I believe it's the the S4. Let's for, talk shit, man. I don't, I don't know what they are. The, the tractor controller S4. Was I think it's, it's a mixer and Dex thing. Yeah, it's a mixer. It's, it's all in it has one like a unit. Single like RCA cinch cable out. I don't know. I haven't even looked yeah, at okay. it at all. It's there. It's there. And then I've seen the new one, the SA, that has this step. Which again, stems is a prime example yeah. of what we're talking about. To me, that really does feel like a marketing tool just to generate more money. Uh, no one really needs it. I don't know that. Some maybe some kids out there are totally vibing on it. That's the thing. Who knows? Yeah. Stems is an interesting topic, though, because the thing is, for those who don't know, Stems is basically take any song that you like and imagine it cut up in four different ways. Like, one yeah. part is a vocal, one is the drums, one is the guitars or the synth or whatever. And the other one's a paddle. Yeah, or, yeah. and then you can kind of play those all four at the same time, so it sounds like one song, but you, you, can, you can, yeah, you can turn down the volume on one of, on one of these sounds, so you kind of redoing it on the fly. Uh, that's the... 
the very simplified it's, it's version got, of it. It's like the, the, um, the ethos of the kill switch in the 90s, yeah. but in, in an ultimate way. Yeah, but the thing but about the, in this order, is... In order to like actually use stems, you have to own the hardware. You have to own the hardware, yeah. yeah. I just want to put this on the record. Like I, I worked with uh, Chad Carrier from uh, Native Instruments on the uh, limiter uh, for stems, mm-hmm. which was you know kind of like a consulting gig. And um, we had some conversations about um, like what it what what stems means like to the industry and all the different yeah. um, online sales aggregators and so on and so forth. But yeah, it's a cool, innovative idea. Like it just has to be, like people have to explore everything. Yeah, you know, you can't just like you know just because um, maybe the pros and the bigger. Um, the bigger talent isn't going to, you know, utilize this thing. It's still something. Well, know? I mean, I I think it's it's the the idea of the technology is cool, and I think there are people out there who could use it creatively. But the thing is, is I as a guy who sits in the studio all week and will spend anywhere from a whole fifteen minutes on a track to two or three weeks on a track. Right. Um, it's just kind of disheartening when you sit down and you see a kid rip up your track four different ways and loop it up. And it's like, well, why, why did I even... I never thought about it from that angle. Yeah, actually. but I'm like, why did I even write this song right, then? Why right. didn't I just give you the parts so you can whatever, yeah. screw with it in your bedroom? And um, so that's my only kind of thought about it. It's, it's just kind of like I intended it to be used one way understood you know like if you want to go to a steakhouse and you're like i'm gonna put ketchup all over my steak they're they're gonna get really pissed off and that's a bad analogy but i mean it's more or less the same thing like yeah you could do it your way but that wasn't how it was meant to be had you know still talking about stems let's have a still moment talking about stems yeah. did you see that there was that swedish video that was kicking around of some guy saying uh, he'd done it as, as satirical as a spoof and it's just gone viral of um he was uh, showing you how to make a new hit track if you've been spending years of your life being a producer and not becoming successful and uh, he he said all you need is a laptop 10 bucks and then you go to beatport and you buy three or four stem tracks load them into ableton and choose one of the stems from each stem track and then, and then just put it in and yeah. boom you've got a track <laughs> that, i mean that's it's not far off i mean if that it, it lends itself to that, and that's also another worry. Of but, course, it does. Yeah, uh, yeah, technology. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's. it's I, I think that's a, a, a futile worry because I mean, sampling is something that you can do anyway. If I if I want to steal your kick drum, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, people are going to sample either way. Yeah. So, speaking of sampling and stuff, let's let's talk about music. Fuck technology. <laughs> uh, put you on the spot here. Mm. What are you feeling right now as a DJ when you're playing out in gigs? Like what? I mean, name names if you want, but kind of like what kind of vibe are you into? That's, that's, a, that's a really interesting question for me right now because um, I've been going through the last sort of three or four months. I would say sort of like another one of those um, evolutionary transitional periods. I really got to oil that door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> and it's uh, like I mean, I, I would say that the past. I'd say like a good four years, maybe even five years, I've been dipping my toe in various different sounds, yeah. and, um, but dipping my toe for a good period of time. Yeah. And I would say, you know, and I, I've, I've, I've been prepared to go to places that I didn't think I would go to before. You know, I've, I would, I've even... Musically dip- or venues? Mu- musically. Musically. 
musically yeah. and and therefore venues as well have followed with that so i mean there's there's a time where i uh within my palette i would say that i certainly got very close to a, a tech housey ibiza sound which yeah. you know is like <gasps> i think horrifying. we all did especially around like 2010 11 oh no mine was mine was more recent than that i think i i i had done it a little bit later i done it the right. other way around and so i done and then the last year i've been um flirting with techno the years before that i've been flirting with this you know this that the, the word low slung slung slow was it low slung low slung house kind of like 110 beats per minute <laughs> stuff no, like no, some no, of the yeah, yeah, just that sort of like really clunky plodding dirty dusty sound of house okay. so i've done all that and then I've, I've i've kind of like a got to this point now where i kind of feel really happy with a sound that has come out of this five years of investigation on various yeah. things and i'm like you're always searching for your sound and at some points you think you've got your sound and then it then you're like no I it haven't. ends up being amalgamation of sorts, yeah right? yeah and i kind of think i'm there right now and it's it's a, it's a, a mix that i just recently done tim knows all about it because he rather kindly mastered it for me um i was completely sober <laughs> it sounds awesome <laughs> um but yeah it was only master drunk just kidding it was it was actually it was actually a mix <laughs> I, I had i had no request to do it it was like you know I've, I've been battered with podcast requests over the past couple of years and i turned a lot of them down and then i, I just had this urge to do a mix I, for no reason this at week all. i got one had, coming out yeah, yeah. And and I I had an idea of the vibe of what was I wanted to do, and I laid it down, and I think I did like you know two or three takes, and I was really surprised myself of the sound that came out, and it started off at yeah 114 BPM, yeah, and I don't it never touched it didn't go over 119 BPM at the end. Sounds boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 um it's it's actually really in <laughs> intense, and you kind of like forget that it's a 119 BPM, and it's very trippy and it's very it's got it's got the tech technos in there it's got the house in there it's got tech yeah house you, you worked in you even worked in uh uh one of the tracks from rich hotton's plastic man ex i did indeed yes I, nice. that, I yeah yeah it's the dixon edit of it in cool. fact right on. so that's that that got worked in there and it's even got a pitched down red planet track from 130 that nice. sounds awesome uh, that then mixes out into liz torres um, uh, don't let love pass you by. Uh, no, can't get enough. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, that, but it's the dub version. Okay, um, so all uh, over. Yeah, so it's, it, again, again, it's all, you know, it's all over the place, and it's but it's uh, mixed coherently, and I feel kind of happy with this sort of sound. It even has a little bit of that kind of slow chugging disco-y sound that's yeah. in there. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it's this. Um, I'm, I'm Panorama bar in a in a nutshell. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, it'd be it would definitely be a um, either it definitely be a Panorama bar closing. I think that's kind of like where my head is at at the moment, and it's also and that is now I've been doing a lot. I'm still I st I'll still consider myself very much a. Uh, infant in terms of production although i guess i've been doing it for nearly no. five years or so yeah um but i still you know uh, that has now lent itself into what i'm doing with production wise it's getting a lot more sort of deep and slow and emotional and dusty and it's more fun to make that stuff for me right now i mean i've been doing Definitely. doing this for a while but it's not. It's, it's 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 harder to mix though. 114 BPM than it is 100. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> 32. There's more space between the beats. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, any kind of error that you make is shown up tenfold. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, what about you, Tim? We were talking, you know, 
what you're into at the moment as a DJ and stuff? I mean, what are you feeling? What's your sound? Pound uh, for pound. I don't want to go over this. It's so painful. Um, well, that's <laughs> what this freaking radio show is. Yeah, so. bring the pain. I thought I want to talk about like why my washing machine isn't working right. Or <laughs> <laughs> is your um, washing machine not working? Oh no, it's working perfectly. Good. Um, yeah, so I've just been shopping online when I can, record shopping when I can. Uh, I'm definitely getting back into more percussion-based stuff, mm-hmm. and the hook lies within the percussion like in the groove kind of yeah um my new favorite piece of gear is the beat step pro love Mm -hmm. it i'm super duper into the step sequence thing um i yeah for a couple weeks i was using my my girlfriend's dark time her dope for dark time and um just wouldn't let her have it back Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and just like you know i think the thing with me like i love production i love making tracks um, I am a bit lazier in my late 30s, mm-hmm. but um, really, I actually like have more fun making patterns and making parts than I do the actual tracks. Yeah. Well, the arrangement part always sucks. I it mean, fucking sucks. It's, that's it's not the, that it fucking sucks. It's like I just, I just slam it together. I'm like mute, unmute, this little like automation thing, and like I just make it work. Because at the end of the day, I had to like really ask myself like you know like you're okay self you're making stuff will you play it yeah and the stuff i'm making now i will play yeah i believe in it whereas before i was just making shit and whether the structure worked or whatever that was kind of a kind of a crapshoot you know i mean i discovered that through playing live but yeah man i'm into you know i'm 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 into new techno i'm into like this sort of, uh, what do you say, low-hung... Low-slung. <laughs> Low-slung low slung was the journalist uh, term. Like, like, it's like gritzy, gritzy, slow house with, you know, like noisy tops and mm. a bit of, like, hard compression and all that. I'm into that. Um, but, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just exploring. I think the thing with me is that now that I'm focused more on the mastering studio, yeah. when I am producing at home, um, and I'm not gigging as much... Still working on the label. Everything's mm-hmm. good. Wearing all the hats. However, I fucking care less. I don't care anymore. And when I don't care, I make better music. That's how it goes across the board. I mean, mm. I there's times also where I have to remind myself, like, uh, you, you're going to do better if you just stop giving a shit, shit about yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, you know what I relax, mean? Because, relax yeah. and enjoy it. Stop, stop worrying about... Mm-hmm. And I mean, the thing is, is... You know, people talk about, especially when it comes to techno or, or house even, I guess most dance genres, but they're like, uh, oh, you know, they're, they're talking about how they're like trying to be an artist and they, they just throw out all all the rules and they make the track. It's like, but at the end of the day, you're still making a track that has one specific function, which mm. is to keep the dance floor full or get it busy. <laughs> yeah. And... There's that immediately you start out with a certain amount of pressure that you have to deliver. Whereas, well, like, if you want to make like an experimental track, or agree with people that. call it electronica these days, there's you don't have to worry about sending people off to the bar. Like, it can be anything, mm. and then, um, you know, you're eliminating that pressure right off the bat. You know, like I mean? Venetian snares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he kind of eliminates pressure. You can say that. <laughs> 
Definitely. I'm blessed at the moment. I've gone uh, where I'm living in Schöneberg in the west of Berlin. I have um, to the right and to the left of me to uh, musicians. One of them's a, a black jazz uh, player. Of, uh, I think it's that. Is it? Is he an oboe or clarinet? It's clarinet. Oboist. Oboe. Oboist. Oboist. Oh, I don't know. But yeah. it's uh, you know, I watched a show Mozart in the Jungle, so I should be. I should know by now. You should be versed in this. Exactly. Yeah. No, but he's like you know, he's really cool. Like you know, my my son would be making uh, making music at home on Machina and having it way too loud, and he'd come home. He's like, oh, you're making beats. Are you, you should just have your son make all your music. I should do. I'll get yeah, my son so- to. Ghost Rock. What? Uh, <laughs> the son of John. What's your son, what's your son making right now? Um, like what, what wait, wait, of, is it, it everything? Or? It, well, he started off. Um, he started pricking his ears up towards music um, around about 2007, 2008. So at that point, he was only eight years old. Yeah, um, and he was really, really into dubstep then. But when I say dubstep, we're talking like you know the UK, the original true dubstep. So he was into Burial and Scuba, wow, um, okay. and stuff like that, and was heavily into Marla. And how old is he now at this point? Now he's sixteen. That's a hell of a musical education at that age. Yeah, yeah. Well, he then he then diverged from that into, of course, you know, the classic young teenager hip hop. Started yeah. smoking weed, listening to hip hop, Biggie and all that. Biggie, Nas, yeah. slight hits from the bong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then recently, over the past, I'd say probably the past twelve months, he's suddenly clicked onto house music. Uh, well, and um, you know, I come home, which and is it, funny because he's in the angsty stage of life, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you know, I've I've, I've had some times when I've had some. Uh, he's going to hate me for saying this. Sorry, Leah. <laughs> um, you know, he's had some had some kind of like typical teenage emotional moments of like you know, been rejection from a girl or whatever and I've come home and found him listening to sort of some Innovision style emotional house Uh-oh. music in the, in emo, the light. emo emo house thank god he's not like into Gabber or something <laughs> yeah, could happen after that breakup but here's the thing and this goes out to your kid yeah. this goes out to actually there's a there's a guy in Minneapolis his kid is listening when they're driving in the car in the mornings to work in school you know what when you go to the movie theater and you're thinking like should I put this armor on this girl? Should I, you know, <laughs> you're gonna sit there for the first 45 minutes of that hour and a half movie, wondering if you, just fucking do, do it, it, man. You got to get into it because yeah. she's into it. She went to the movie theater with exactly, you, exactly. Yeah. So I'm talking to you, Ethan. Wasn't supposed to say your name, but anyway, yeah. You put your armor on that girl and, and your boy. Yeah, put your armor on that. Girl. Do it exactly. Yeah, put, put that armor on that girl's. But yeah. I mean. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is when when people say like, "Oh, you know, when you're when when you're a father, do you do you want your kid to be a musician or a DJ, or whatever?" And I'm like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I think you know so, what I mean? Like, it's so stupid. I mean, like you're like, oh, well, you know, mom's a DJ, dad's yeah, a DJ. But, uh, we're into like this obscure electronic music, and then like, like, what do you think your kid's gonna like? What you like? Maybe, maybe not. But I mean, your in your case, he does, and that's why I'm, I want to know. Like, uh, on some, you level. have something that you can bond over. Oh, like, totally. Like, I mean, I've, I've found myself now in really weird situations where I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a tune coming from my son's bedroom, and I'm like, what's that? Your track idea in your yeah, I'm track idea in my son. I'm like, yeah, what's that tune? No, this is this is this is decent. That's all right. Um, so that's and and, and he's and he's genuinely got decent taste. You know, I mean, I, I can't say that when I first started getting into dance music, I had tastes of of that standard. Yeah, you know, he seemed to have skipped that that you know entry entry level dance music. I think sound. it's easier these days for people to 
locate good stuff. I mean, there's so yeah. much shit to sift through, but if you kind of point yourself in the right decision, yeah. You know, we were talking earlier about uh, you know recommendations. I think it was from Beatport, one of these sites. Uh, I gotta say. Uh, just say what you want about SoundCloud, but there's been times where you're playing a clip from an upcoming record or a Damn. DJ set, and then it switches off to uh, some. It'll automatically load the next file that it thinks is relevant. Right. Uh, I think on SoundCloud, I've found more crazy good music that I like off of. Uh, so like, you let it you, by accident? You let it go of, autopilot on you, and I don't let it. But sometimes I'm just you know I'm writing an email or looking at dumb shit on the music internet. Finds you, and, and then I'm yeah. like what the hell am I even listening to? And then I click through the 40 tabs until I find it's a SoundCloud tab. I'm like, this is not bad. Yeah. Whereas normally if I if I check out a recommendation on a website, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. It's do usually you, not up my... Do you think that's my, because of tags? I don't know Sorry, what the algorithm is. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's no, good. Because whenever, you, whenever I upload a mix, it's like, you know, add tags. Well, or, tags don't hurt, I'll tell you that much. Sure, but... I never know what to tag. Maybe the artists. Just tag, uh, yeah. just tag Berlin, Berkheim, Panorama Bar. Yeah. <laughs> so type in like the 10 key words for venues in yeah, the world yeah. or promoters exactly. or yeah. labels yeah. and whatever people are going to search for. And then Start boom. off with house techno. <laughs> but no, real story. And end with fuck you, book me, pay me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rick Ross style. But here's the thing. Like when I was uh, probably 14, I was looking for techno mixes and stuff like that and coming from a small town i didn't really know exactly where to look so i think it was soul seek or one of those programs i just typed uh you know techno or whatever and then it would pop up 18 things or you type in some other dude's name like oliver ho or something then there's a guy that would be it would have his name but then 20 other relevant techno names at that time yeah. in the file name just so like you would find his shit and then you, you end up listening to it in your car anyway. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, what you're hitting on there is, is basically how as I said my, my son's 16 and that generation of how they consume music and how they find music it is, it's right. a breakneck speed yeah. it's a breakneck speed and like, you know, we, we consume music in a much slower pace you yeah. know, we, re- we really chewed our food back then you know, in comparison to what, 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 <laughs> they're, what, they're, yeah, what they're doing now um, and that, and it's and it's and it's really it's really interesting. It's like you know the, those kids they 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 don't give a shit about the sound quality or whatever. It's just like this is badass. I will rip this off of YouTube and play it, and it's a fucking jam. And my that's sister that. does it all and the it, time. Yeah, and and uh, you know we get really snobby about it. You know we have our things like you know oh, I'm not playing anything digital unless it's a WAV and it's 24 bit. You know it's AIF. Yeah, yeah. You know da da da. But you know, these kids are doing something that's that's much more punkish and much more immediate. You know, they're 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 embracing the the the, the new. You know, immediately. I was like, this is. I mean, when when I was, I think when I was like fourteen, I dubbed um, uh, from the radio. Like well, I, they, put, I put a cassette in and I dubbed um, not Human League, um, um, uh, New Order. Uh, well, brain fart. Anyway, I du- but I dubbed like a huge tune from the '80s, and like I just wanted to hear it over yeah, yeah. and over we're and good. over and over yeah. again. But that's so a, we well, is- we also had that too. Not to say that like by the time he's twenty one, twenty two, like then quality comes into play. Yeah, but we had we had a situation where 
you know, first of all, the access to the music was was restricted, and then when we did get the music, then the ways of copying it and replaying it was also restricted and also time consuming. You know, we'd basically record it onto cassette tape or or, or onto reel to reel, and then make a dub plate and play it. And now, you know, these kids they can literally rip something from YouTube onto a USB stick and go around to their house party and play it. No. And we might, you know. Being out, us snobby DJs and professionals and old men, or just saying the good old days or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, this is we would be doing the same. And this is exactly what the same was like. What Future did, spank with the track, spank, spank, whatever. You know, it was made on a four track in a half yeah. a day. Boom! But uh, it came, and everyone, and it's celebrated still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we got to this point of where we're kind of like, oh no, YouTube rips. Ha ha! You fucking oh, you playing YouTube? That shit. It's like no, that is actually that is actually where the energy is. Um, you know, that is that's that's tapping into those people sure. and not knocking them back for it and understanding and appreciating them um i've got it written down here as like you know we is old we is old and the fountain of youth is youth you know and that's yeah. what that that's where a lot of people like they get surprised when they say to me how old are you and i was you know because then they find out i've got kids and they ask me how old the kids are and then they're like wait how old are you and i'm like i'm 40 they're like holy fuck, you're 40, how, how come you, you don't look 40? And I, I genuinely believe that one of the reasons that I maintain a youthful appearance is because I keep tapping into the youth. I keep trying, you know, being close to that that culture that's coming through and not trying to reject it and be like... You an bathe old in lotion. Yeah, yeah, I bathe in youth, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I pol- you bathe in whale sperm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's different. <laughs> I don't bathe in whale sperm, just... <laughs> but, I mean... I, there's something to be said for all that. Like, for example, I I find it increasingly more difficult to kind of not only keep up with people younger than me as far as, like, what they're into, but also, like, at least to give a shit. I mean, like, I one thing that I still, like, find really funny is I, will, I think I'll always find slang funny because I'm into literature and language and stuff like that. So it's, like, always hearing whatever the newest shit is is hilarious to me. But sometimes there's just things that I can't really understand or, or get behind musically or whatever, and like mm. I don't know, it's just kind of depressing because I feel like I'm just getting old and I shouldn't yeah, be at this point yeah, already. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, of course, but, of course. But yeah. that, I mean, you, I, I genuinely implore you to fight that vibe in a way because you know, it's, at the end of the day, that's that's this is where the innovation is still coming from. This is where the next movement, the, the, you know, the next ideas and the next power will come from. It's, it's, it's from those kids, you know. They, we can learn more from them. I hate that kind of uh, that attitude of, like, respect me, I'm older than you. Yeah. It's like, no, actually, I should respect you because you're the ones that are innovating and you're the ones <coughs> that, that can actually I think Matthew me. McConaughey comes into mind. Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, you know. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> Uh, I kind of feel like the dance floor gets younger. <laughs> I well, it depends where you're at, but these days it, it's kind of crazy because I feel like, yeah, I don't know that most of the people on the dance Berlin's a little different or Germany in general, but some of these dance floors it's it's hard to find a person older than like the late twenties in a in a club period. Hell yeah, and yeah. Uh, really, come on, man, really? No, it, totally. I'm not even. Uh, I'm not even trying to exaggerate here. It's, I mean, I was. In, I mean, of no, course, I've, like some of the staff, but I'm saying, like, yeah, yeah, no, uh, I've, I've felt attendees. This places are incredible. Felt. Yeah, yeah. You look at you like the average age in front of me is is definitely 19. You know, that's, yeah. 
Yeah, without. I mean, I was at Villa Renata last night. I mean, like, yeah, the you, average age was twenty five. Yeah, you probably, you're probably, un, you're, you're but I just said Berlin's different. I'm misguessing. You're totally misguessing. I haven't the reason, in I, can, in a long the reason time. I can say that with such confidence is because um, <laughs> I, f- I found out recently that my son's been going to about blank. <laughs> um, he's, he's been sneaking out he's been sne- and he's been using friends um out of date passports to get Whoa. in wow so i would i would say if it's like father like son yeah thing? yeah yeah no he's cool he's totally open with it and all the rest of it and so, you know but i did i did inform about blank about because <laughs> at the end of the day you're know, 16 is just too so young. should i be bleeping out the name of this club for the <laughs> yeah. radio <laughs> yeah. no 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 they're, they're cool i mean it's not their fault you know kids yeah. are kids that's what they're gonna do and well, there's get into about blank that's pretty uh no no that's that's i mean there's it's every it's every it's not just about blank there's other clubs too and you there's only so much that a door can do you know when you've got 200 people coming it's, in through there's going to be people that get through the net and my uh, my son is I, I actually measured him in height today he's 195 yeah, he's, centimeters he's taller than you he's, he's huge he's huge and you know he 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 could easily pass for 18 or 19 he could easily like go for a basketball scholarship yeah absolutely Absolutely, on height alone. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, well, he's tall, we can teach him. What is the age in Berlin to get into clubs? Uh, or bars good question it depends I think the, gen- I think the general age is uh, 18 but then some other clubs obviously like Panorama Bar Berkheim is 21 okay um, so they, it's at their own discretion depending on what's going mm. on there um, but so yeah that, that, if my son is going to these I can guarantee you that there's a whole lot of other kids of his same age that are going to clubs as well so on any given night I, most clubs in Berlin I would say have got a 20% of to 30% of the people in there are underage hmm. which is a large portion you're just not aware of it because you're hanging yeah, out with your not. crew and you're yeah. not paying attention yeah to I mean you just gotta you, like when you see from distance you're just like that's trouble over there not not even like I'm not even saying it in a bad way but just in like they're gonna end up like puking over each other or something you know it's just fucking clown shoes is what it is yeah. so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah <laughs>